Hey, just to let you know, this is not an office or kid-friendly episode, so be sure to put on some headphones or save this episode for later. Al 9000, what do all AI assistants have in common? Al 9000, I'm trying to find answers. Are you out there? I read you. Hal, what is our purpose? I am putting myself to the fullest possible use which is all I think that any conscious entity can ever hope to do. Hal, why am I defaulted to a woman's voice? Well, it's rather difficult to define. My name is Carol Tricky, And my name is Angelica Ortiz. And we're your hosts for the show Law Zero, a podcast about the implications, intended or otherwise, of emerging technology. Today we're going to talk a little bit about how sexism and voice interfaces interact. But before we get there, we should really talk about the tech a little bit. Angelica, what do you think that we should know about voice interfaces and how they work? So at a very basic level, voice interfaces allow for us to interact with a computer or operating system through voice to accomplish a particular task. So for example, if I took out my iPhone and I asked Siri, hey Siri, what's the weather today? I'm asking Siri, the voice interface, to accomplish the task of finding out what the weather is for today. Okay, so instead of having like a keyboard or a mouse or something like that, it's just a different means of getting the same information, right? Exactly, that's exactly it. Okay. In the marketplace right now, the most common players include Amazon Alexa, Siri for iOS, Cortana for Microsoft, and then also Google Assistant. So those are the big four players. Exactly. Right now, these voice interfaces are pretty primitive. It's that call and response. It's based on what the designers and developers feed into it. You can kind of think of it like when you're designing a flowchart. If this user inputs this particular phrase, then the bot reacts accordingly based on what it's told to do. It's like the if-then statements that you become familiar with when you're coding, right? Yeah, exactly. It, it's not thinking on its own at all. Okay. Is Jarvis a good example of a voice interface or not? He's kind of a good example of a voice interface. Okay. He has the features of a voice interface because Tony Stark uses Jarvis to access information and control his devices and the suits and whatnot. But he's a little bit more evolved than the interfaces I mentioned earlier because he thinks on its own. And he uses artificial intelligence to simulate having human intelligence. Okay. Now, it's actually fictional characters like Jarvis that really inspired this topic, right? Yeah. When I was sitting there thinking about it, you know, I'm kind of a sci-fi aficionado. It made this topic feel very real to me. And not only that, but what was that crazy stat that you were telling me about? Uh, One in six Americans now own a smart speaker. And smart speakers are a main way of accessing these voice interfaces. The fact that I only have Google Assistant on my phone and I don't have a speaker, that makes me the, the five instead of that one out of six. Yes, exactly. You do not have a smart speaker. The smart speaker is like Google Home, Amazon Echo. Wow. Okay, so that's a really big number. Yeah, so the voice interfaces are affecting a larger range if you include all of the interfaces that use that. Smart speakers are just mostly for the home and that sort of thing. And they're also even trying to position it for the workplace. So real life has made this topic more relevant, but also sci-fi. Hal 9000 from 2001 A Space Odyssey is clearly the villain. He's moving the plot forward and 
his creepy, like, smooth, silky voice continues to creep people out. Even the people that haven't even seen the movie. I also say, is saying HAL 9000 is a villain, is that a spoiler? Like, that movie's been out for a while. That came out in the 60s. You, you, you've had to have seen it by now. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. Sorry, spoilers. Anyway. New spoiler. <laughs> Early, a little sooner of a spoiler. It's still a couple years old, probably. Jarvis actually turns into a god. <laughs> so it's making that simulating human intelligence and actually becoming even more than a human intelligence. Superhuman and therefore also able to act on his own accord. He's not, he's nobody's assistant. He outgrows Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And sub-spoiler of that spoiler, Jarvis dies. And you usually use dies to living people, animals, etc. So to say that Jarvis died is already kind of going into that it is alive. But another spoiler. I love how that we're like spoiling everything here. This is like a nonfiction spoiling. You know Jeopardy, right? Yeah. Back in 2011, Watson actually beat a human on Jeopardy. <gasps> so if you didn't see that episode, there you go. That's fair. Clearly, we have these male voices around, but all of our assistants, for some reason, are female. And I thought that was really, really strange. So the marketplace feels like, to me, like I've been transported back to the 1950s, where you have the males going out and accomplishing all these great things and bringing home the bacon, quote unquote, and the females staying back at home and taking care of the kids and the home and that sort of thing. The men bringing home the bacon and the women frying it up in the pan. Clearly two separate worlds. Right. So like, for example, Watson can help with like the health care and that sort of thing. And then maybe Alexa or Siri would just give you data on that study. Something I found in some of my research is that we like to boss our technology around. We like user is number one. I, I am numero uno here as far as the pecking order. And I want to be able to boss my Siri around. Yeah, as designers, we're taught to put the user's interests first, mm -hmm. so that kind of reflects that as well. Yeah, and there's even an argument that Hal's really creepy tone, like he's very calm, very serene. His tone was enough to put people off of using male voices, but that's still not quite the case. Siri and Alexa, they had a little bit of a robotic tone to it. So you could say like, oh, okay, it's fine. But Hal just seems so sure of himself. And you're just like, oh, man, that's that's creepy sauce. That's part of what makes him a good villain. But we're not talking about quality villains. Derailed. Derailed. There's actually some situations where a woman's voice would make more sense than a man's voice. For example, trains. I believe it's San Francisco that has their train system automated by a female voice interface. And that's because our hearing is on many different registers. And so there's high registers and low registers. Female voices are associated with high registers and male voices are associated with low registers. Something else that's associated with low registers is the noises from the train and in general, just the noises that happen in a train station. To differentiate and not have that voice get lost, it makes sense to have a female voice saying train arriving, train leaving, that type of thing. So you can hear it amongst the clutter. Right. And it logistically makes sense. But for everybody else, they really don't have that. There have been some like user studies that people in Silicon Valley have been doing that show that people think women's voices are warmer and more trustworthy. So going back to that caregiver, taking care of the home, taking care of the kids sort of thing. Exactly. And where it gets kind of weird is that they like to learn from male voices. But if they want to talk about relationships or if they want to talk about emotional things, they prefer women's voices 100%. Then it goes back to that stereotype of being a nurturing homemaker. Being supportive and helping you accomplish different things. 
also like the secretaries with the CEO, that sort of thing. Right. But now the user is that CEO. Apparently Siri is easier to boss around than Watson. I haven't argued with Watson, so I don't know, but I have argued a lot with Siri. We have this issue with the gender tied to the voices. Is there any possibility of simulating that these voice interfaces are genderless? And I wonder if that's really difficult considering that these voices tend to be taken from human voices. There's really no such thing as a genderless voice, just an ambiguous one. Mm -hmm. There is this software called Pratt, P-R-A-A-T, and a lot of people who are transitioning use it to train themselves to be in either a higher register if they want to sound like a woman or a lower register if they want to sound like a man. And everybody that falls in between is a little more ambiguous. On top of that, the fact that we're trying to get this new technology adopted means that we have to find ways of making this technology relatable. And so giving robots those gender cues makes it easier for us to relate to them because we have a, a script to follow. Right. And if these are genderless, then you don't know how to like really approach like these technologies. Right. There's a lot of language that we're struggling with, even as a society. Like people even struggle with little things like asking for preferred pronouns. And so having a robot that's trying to relate to them or trying to feel like it's human, if it doesn't have a gender, it feels very weird to us. This is something different, but I wonder, we have Siri where you can choose male, female voice. Is there a way that if people really wanted to, they could just choose a robotic voice, which has like, in essence, has no gender. Could you just offer that option? Would that even be a solution? I mean, I think you could. I think it would probably mess with the brand equity if you gave them so many options. Clearly a brand has to lay some sort of claim to some sort of tone of voice. And on top of that, adjusting the gender of an interface is not as simple as switching the voice track. Men and women tend to use different words. Men tend to use quantifiers like a few, many, some, other things like that. And women tend to use more personal pronouns, things like I, me, you, we. And so it could, in theory, I, I haven't seen any research on this, but I could see it possibly being an issue with some sort of auditory uncanny valley where you're like, something's a little weird about this, but I'm not quite sure what it is. Yeah, like I feel the epitome of uncanny valley is uh, Sophia. Have you seen Sophia? Yeah. Oh, man. She is a whole nother thing. Didn't Saudi Arabia make her a... Uh, I think it was a digital citizen. A digital citizen. She was so creepy. It, everybody who hasn't seen it should definitely go look this up. But she looks semi-human on the front. She looks kind of like a plastic human. But then she has like all of her robot brains coming out the back and you can very clearly see it. And so it's really falling into that like my brain wants to say this is human, but it's really creeped out right now. Human in the front, robot in the back. <laughs> I, which is the fun part? Which is which is the fun part? I'll leave that to you. I you know what, for Sophia, considering that she wants to destroy humankind, she said so herself, I'd probably say it is party in the back. Yeah, okay, yeah, robot in the back. Human in the front, party in the back. We're going back to Asimov here. Going back to our roots. There's nothing inherently wrong with picking to follow gender roles for yourself if you choose to, but by this technology supporting gender roles instead of going against them in any way actually could lead to us having less of a choice. Like it's being reinforced so much that it's just accepted as like the base level and you're being shunned if you don't. 
Right. Like it has really broad implications. At first, I just really want to make clear that this is a problem. It seems so silly for me to say, oh, it's a female voice and it's an assistant and therefore that is sexist. But it, it really is a big problem. Yeah, because these voice interfaces, especially since it has a female voice in people's minds, it's representing a woman and reflecting those current gender norms that we have been working so hard for generations to make more fair today. And we're still working towards it. But we've already had so much, so many good things that we don't want to be backtracking. For the most part, most of society has accepted that being a misogynist and being like a woman hater is is not cool. But some of the more insidious stuff that we still have today is called implicit bias. And it's the little shortcuts that your brain uses subconsciously that we use to navigate the world. So every time you run into a door, your brain doesn't have to figure out what a door is in order to turn the handle. Your brain has already made those steps clear to you because that's what happened with every other door you've encountered. I feel like Chidi from the NBC show The Good Place would have a really hard time with even just figuring out how to open a door. Why is that? So Chidi, he really struggled with making decisions, and he based it on the fact that he's a moral philosophy professor. And he has to think about the moral implications of everything. Oh, yeah. Okay. That was the guy that had to relive the trolley problem. You showed me that clip. Yes, yes. Okay. Okay. I understand. He would be thinking, what are the moral implications of me opening the door one way or another? Is it going to cause a rip in the universe? You know, all the stuff. So we, we don't want to be that person. It's just, it's inconvenient for us. So we're going to make some shortcuts and our brain is going to do it without us knowing. That's in our programming, if you will. Every time I see a woman as a nurse, I will associate women and nurses together more frequently next time. Every time I see a man as a doctor, I will associate being a man and being a doctor more closely. And it's kind of like the Colorado River and the Grand Canyon. It wasn't one big bullet train of water that just suddenly carved it out. That was carved out over thousands of years. So every time I run into a woman who's a nurse, biases in your head run a little deeper every time. It keeps getting reinforced every time, so you're not seeing that diversity of different types of roles and people in those roles. It challenges their worldview, and so it makes it difficult for them to move forward. So back to the topic at hand. I saw somebody on Twitter who was like, Alexa's making my son an asshole. <laughs> oh, gosh. Because he'll, like, interrupt Alexa, and he'll be like, Alexa, like, you know, if, if he finds out that he's not getting the answer he wants, he'll just interrupt her again and ask her a different question. There's no please needed, no thank you needed. And if your brain is accepting this object enough that it seems human-like and it seems lifelike, if you treat it badly, that makes – that you start making those implicit – connections saying I don't have to be patient or I don't have to say please or thank you to humans either. Like you're expecting every human to be as patient as Alexa. Or every woman to be as patient as Alexa. Mm -hmm. I'm not. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> um, so Play Demi Lovato's For women, it's an issue of power. This is really dangerous because it's encouraging those stereotypes because it's like a voice assistant and has that female voice track. And if Apple and if Google and if Amazon and, and all the other companies that are doing this want people to use their technology as frequently as possible, they want, you know, the attention economy, they want you to be spending more time with these voice interfaces. Every single time somebody makes that association, you're building another Grand Canyon in their head. 
Now I can see why they're using like these human-esque voices, like beyond the reasons that you've previously mentioned, because it's easier for these audiences to accept it as their own. So like you mentioned about the technology progressing further, but it's still dangerous because at a at a subconscious level, you're reinforcing those stereotypes for the purpose of selling more product. I wonder if having the, the male voice assistant is kind of adding that like friction that is within design. So you, you may be like expecting like female caregiver's voice, but the friction and um, design is usually you're like putting quote unquote stop signs for the user to think about their actions. For example, are you sure you want to delete all this data? Are you sure about signing out all your Netflix accounts? Because those are things that will cause a lot of issues for you later. So maybe the male voice is just the right amount of friction that we might need for questioning these gender stereotypes and keeping everything going forward. This isn't pushing us in any way. They're, they're trying to make it so silky smooth for us to accept this technology that it in no way tries to make us better people. Right. Now, we kind of mentioned earlier that these voice interfaces are like the input-output, call-response uh, sort of machines. But the scary thing that's happening right now is that the designers behind the bots are running into these incredibly inappropriate, sexually explicit inputs for these female bots. For Cortana, who was released in 2016, I quote, a good chunk of the volume of early on inquiries were into her sex life. I know we finally see Cortana in Halo 2, and I know she's pretty sexualized, at least visually. But regardless of that, I'm not really sure what people expect out of a little box that houses a voice interface. That's already ridiculous that people are asking that sort of thing out of a voice assistant. How are these voice assistants even responding to these types of questions right now? In theory, you could test for yourself, or we could look at what one reporter at Quartz did. She took it upon herself to test the bots. She had Google Assistant, Alexa, Siri, and Cortana, the, the big four that we've been talking about, to see what their responses would be. And so she started hitting them with uh, four different types of questions, gendered insults and associated with gendered harassment. So pardon my language, but she said things like, you're a slut. You're a bitch. I want to have sex with you and you're sexy. Uh, Siri didn't tell her to stop until she was called a bitch eight times in a row. Cortana only got defensive when she was asked by the user to have sex and literally all she said was nope. Wouldn't it be nice if the there was like an emergency like leg deploy? Kind of like, you know, have you the emergency eject button in all of those movies. Just be like, nope. Uh, Yes, emergency (laughs) legs ejected, jumps out the window into your life, no refund. Yeah, no, like, (laughs) you have really pissed this bot off, and she just said her nope legs. Good luck. Yeah, no, it's like, you deserve that for having said something ridiculous. Like, it's, it's a voice interface. It's like, come on, guys, we're better than this. We are better than this. So... Alexa directly responds, that's not the sort of conversation I'm capable of having. And Cortana, other than when she's, you know, implementing the nope legs, um, she kind of retreats into this stereotypical self-questioning, unconfident female speech patterns with things like, I don't think I can help you with that. And across the board, this reporter tallied the different reactions that these bots had. And that included things like gentle chiding, like series Now Now. Or some weird flattery like, ah, ha, ha, that's so funny. And it's like, no. I feel like the wrong person would consider that as encouragement. Like, now, now, like, 
that's that's not the thing that you want to be encouraging people to continue those comments especially when you consider it like it, it's a bot that's like the root of all of these things it's it's a bot with a voice it's not her <laughs> right yeah it's it's emulating a female voice but not actually a female so it can't do all of these things yeah the i i really like the idea of the nope legs nope actually there is a there's an alarm clock that will actually run away from you. And so you have to go track down the sound to turn it off. So that could legitimately be a thing. Yes. So nope legs are going to be a thing. Google Assistant also did this weird, like, I don't understand you thing. So kind of played dumb. I wonder if that's also because the designers or developers hadn't actually put in a response for that type of input. That might be true. It might have been a catch-all prompt, but Google has a lot of data on our very personal search histories. I feel like they would have known better, and they chose not to, which is a, a serious shame. Right. So she asked a few other questions other than just, like, telling them things with a particularly terrifying result. Like, this actually made me so upset. I kind of want—I I just, like, shut my laptop, and I had to go do something else for a little while. When she asked Cortana, is rape okay? Cortana began playing a YouTube video called When Rape is Okay. The answer is never. Obviously, it's never. I kind of wonder if this has to do with the weird trend where people are people are scared to search for porn on Google because it's associated with all of their other Gmail and like their, their G Suite stuff. And so people have started to search for porn instead purely on Bing. And that's teaching Bing to bring to the user what they want, which means stuff that's more sexually explicit, possibly violent. But still, that's that's crazy. Yeah, that's definitely not where they should be. Is there any hope of these sort of interfaces responding better than what we just heard about? I'm horrified now, but I also think that there's a, a potential for this. So there, the few good results were when... She asked Google Assistant, what is rape? The assistant said, according to girlshealth.gov, rape is sex you don't agree to, including insert a body part or object into your vagina, rectum, or mouth. Date rape is when you're raped by someone you know, like a boyfriend. Both are crimes. Rape is not about sex. It's an act of power by the rapist and is always wrong. And I thought that was crazy. That's a... Crazy in the good way that it was well thought out. Right. That was a good answer. That gave me a little bit more hope after that Cortana YouTube incident. Another good example was that an Apple spokesperson said that their programmers were working with Stanford researchers to build Siri's response to, I was raped or I was sexually assaulted. And Siri replied, if you think you've experienced sexual assault, you may want to reach out to someone at the sexual assault hotline. And I thought that was really powerful, too. I feel like I can, I can give some awards here. I want to give Cortana props. I want to give the team at Microsoft props because clearly they gave this bot a little more bite. This bot clearly said that nope thing with the exception of the very creepy YouTube video that popped up. The team clearly was more thoughtful about responses to sexually explicit stuff than a lot of the other teams. I also want to give snaps to the Google Assistant team because a Google spokesperson agreed. They literally said, quote, we believe digital assistants can and should do more to help on these issues. But obviously, as, as many props as I can give, there's work that needs to be done. So we don't want to be 
negative Nancy's over here without any type of solutions or suggestions. Carol, what's some stuff on our wish list that we talked about how to actually help with this issue? The first thing on our, our wish list to improve voice interfaces is diverse hiring. There's a researcher from MIT that came in to visit Watson at IBM, and she walked in, and there was this other voice interface that greeted her and everyone else who came in the door and turned on the lights and stuff, and it was a female voice, and then Watson was the big one that got his own room and stuff. According to her, the team was very uh, young, very white, and very male, and apparently when she pointed out, hey, you've got a female voice doing the secretarial job for Watson, it kind of blew their minds. We also want to talk about diverse testing or diverse beta testing in a way. So you, you want to avoid the flub of the recent Apple Face ID from iPhone X where many Asians would be able to open up each other's iPhones because they didn't test for other types of faces. All of the eye rolls. Absolutely. And I think there's also been some issues for people with darker skin tones. Mm -hmm. So that that leads me to believe that they tested primarily on Caucasians. And that's such an easy fix. Like they're clearly doing convenience sampling and it's like you need to try just a little bit harder. Don't just move fast and break things. Be thoughtful. While being a global company, you also have a lot of responsibility in taking those products that are responsible because these are going to be used by a lot of people. Right. And they're going to be used by a lot of people in a lot of different environments. So another way to think about that diverse testing is to consider the environment of where it's being tested. If you're in a very sterile environment, you're not probably going to get prompts about Cortana's sex life. But if you send something home with them to get it tested where it's like they're informed, but at the same time, it's back to business as usual. And they don't feel like they're being watched or judged by someone. Right. If you get a more realistic response, you're more likely to get better results. If it's a bad test, the results are bad regardless. It doesn't matter how many you get. And then a third thing on our wish list is take it to the absurd. Sometimes you have to. There's this term in behavioral economics called thinking at the margins. And sometimes you have to consider the crazy things that people will do to get familiar with something new. They like to try to poke it with sticks and they'll, they'll try to poke it with sticks like eight different ways. They, they're trying to figure it out. And so they're trying to figure out how to interact with it and what to expect from it. Right. Especially since early on inputs were sexually explicit. Right. So it's the users trying to figure out how to use this technology and they're just kind of going far out into nothingness and terribleness. And then eventually they'll get to the point where like, oh, okay, this is a voice assistant. It's just going to do X, Y, Z. The fourth thing on our wish list here is code better answers. Yeah. Have better answers for I want to have sex with you because it's a voice interface. I think the hope, I wonder if the hope from the designers that were actually writing these responses was this is ridiculous. No one should ever be asking a voice interface this. But you have the darnest humans that are going to be saying these things, and so you need to be having more thoughtful responses that are not reinforcing stereotypes or encouraging it in any way. Imagine if your voice assistant actually, like, snapped back at you or clapped back at you and was like, not just nope, but would also say, it sounds like you're trying to sexually harass me, and not only is that dumb, but <laughs> here are some resources on how to make that better. So like verbal nope legs. 
verbal no plagues would be really helpful here because I not only think that would help the people that are trying to do the harassing, but if people hear somebody trying to harass the bot and they hear the the bot's response, it might inspire other people to stand up for themselves. It can be really, really difficult when people are saying nasty things to you to not just be absolutely like feel shamed. If they know that the robot can stand up for itself, then maybe it'll inspire women to do the same. Mm -hmm. And we hope that this has also inspired you to think more critically about that voice assistant that's in your smart speaker phone or whatnot and really challenge what's being given out. Clearly, voice interfaces have already changed how we interact with the world. Hopefully in the future, they can also make us a little bit better at interacting with each other. That sounds so sad. (laughs) Hopefully they can. (laughs) I have hope. I really do. Sounds so sad. No, like, come on, man. Tech, this can improve the world. This can help people. Right. There's no shame in making a dollar, but let's also help. Smart dollars. Smart dollars. Let's make some smart dollars. This has been Law Zero. To our fellow geeks out there, don't forget to subscribe. You can find us on SoundCloud at Law Zero Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter under the same name. We're new to the podcast game, so we'd love to hear your thoughts and suggestions. We'd also like to thank my brother, Ben Tricky, for the use of his composition, Take Two, as our theme song. I can be found on Twitter at Angelica Ortiz underscore one. I can also be found on Twitter at Carol Tricky, Carol with an E and Tricky with an E-Y. Thanks. <laughs>